Matthew to Psalm 23. It's good stuff in Matthew too. <laughs> Close. Matthew's also in the Bible. Um, been a long weekend. Anybody go to World Mandate this weekend? So we've still got a load of folks down there. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here. And uh, so World Mandate is like a big college missions thing that is part of that, that our larger movement called Antioch does down in Waco each year. And there's probably four or five thousand. I don't know the exact number. I would say four to five thousand. It seemed like a normal year, you know, down there. And uh, so at the Farrell Center at Baylor. Um, and so it's just a great time of of worship and of getting encouraging messages about being a part of the mission of God. And uh, that's what we want to do. We want to be a life-giving, multiplying, reproducing church that looks like Jesus and that is called to reproduce ourselves at the disciple level, reproduce ourselves at the house group level, reproduce ourselves at the church, the congregation level. And uh, that's so we've been involved in that journey ourselves for about uh, 21 years as a church and uh, then connected with Antioch for a, a great number of years as well. So let's read Psalm 23. We're in the third part of this series. We're going to do one more. And by the way, I just want to make a plug next week. <clears throat> next week, uh, if you were there yesterday afternoon, there's a couple of guys from India. Uh, one of them's name's Deva. Deva, it's spelled D-E-V-A, but it's Deva. And then there's another guy named Sadir. And Don Stedman stood up. He's, he's the director of international stuff for uh, Antioch. And he stood up and kind of helped those guys facilitate some uh, a, a session. And uh, so uh, actually Don Stedman and Deva are going to be here at Christ Fellowship next Sunday. So looking forward to that. I mean, some pretty incredible stories he told during that session yesterday. You know, kind of book of Acts kind of stuff. And so that's happening next week. Okay, so here we go. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. There's the catchphrase for this series. Restoring the soul. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today, we're really going to focus in on uh, Psalm 23, verse five, which is you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. So the year was 1991. And a lot of you guys weren't born. Um, the year was 1991 and I'd gone up to Chicago for a conference and uh, I was at a church called Willow Creek and this guy named Bill Hybels was speaking and he was talking about making it for the long haul. The, te the message, I think, was called Surviving Leadership. And it was a message that I needed to hear that day. I just remember sitting there. It's the first time I'd ever heard him and probably the first time I'd ever been like up close with a leader that was that kind of level of leader. And I just my whole world, my whole uh, whole focus just went just watching this guy. And I just remember thinking, 
man, I could follow this guy, which was for a cocky, young, whatever I was, 25, six, I don't know, something. And uh, I just thought I hadn't had that thought many times. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not. Um, but I thought, man, I could follow this guy. And he, what he was talking about was our tanks get low in life. And in particular, you know, sometimes you can be doing good physically. You know, he was talking about how he's playing racquetball and everything. And the setup for this story was that he was all of a sudden he started feeling, an, you know, a, he just wanted to feel good. And he didn't know why his physical tank was good. His spiritual tank was good. He was spending time with the Lord and everything. And uh, but he realized that he'd been through a couple of hard situations and that his best friends, he and his wife's best friends had moved away. And so his emotional tank and this is just a huge thing for us. And I, I want to bring it up because a lot of times you don't know when your emotional tank goes down. You're you're flying along. You can be doing great and like on autopilot, but on the inside, be pretty empty, you know, just saying. And uh, so, you know, I listened to that and I, and I thought and he just talked about how he sought the Lord and how he got with his old friends and how he got encouragement. And they sat around the table and ate food and laughed and in the midst of just being with them and sitting at the table and talking about the Lord, encouraging each other and laughter and all that stuff, his tank slowly you know, started to get filled. And the deal is, we this message I'm calling refill because just like reconnecting and realigning with God's purpose, we need to know when it's time to refill. And a lot of times we don't uh, we just like get burned out and go, I feel weary and tired. But but if we'll keep our eyes on Jesus way before you get like, I want to chunk this or I want to do something dumb and stupid in order just to feel good. You know, if you ever had some weird thoughts go through your head because you just want to feel better and want to just like, ah, oh, I'm just dying here. That's what happens when our tanks get low. So this restoring the soul thing is really important on this particular uh, issue. So, uh, you know, we've been talking about protection. Now we're talking about provision. How does the Lord bring into our lives what we need in order to get filled this coming to the table, getting our heads anointed with oil. I'm going to say some more about that. His presence and power. I got an email from Yancey, uh, uh, Dr. Yancey Smith. You guys know as one of our elders and uh, he's a Bible translator. And so uh, there's Lynette and he was uh, he's or still is still in Tanzania. He's in Tanzania right now helping Tanzanians translate the Bible into Swahili. What'd y'all do last week? <laughs> so, um, that's funny to me. I always think, yeah, he's, he's an adventurer, man. So he's over there, he's tra- helping these guys translate the Bible into Swahili, and they're talking about Old Testament stuff and the practice of hospitality in the Old Testament. And this guy he's teaching with named Ken something, they got going on Psalm 23 and he goes, man, I need to write Jamie. So he writes me and he says, Jamie, one of the things about the Tanzanian guys is they have a totally different next level kind of view of hospitality. They don't think about hospitality like like we do. Like it's real for us. It's you know, it's uh, let's schedule it out. And this is just reality. I'm not lamenting it. Don't everybody get all sad and bummed out about American culture. This is a part of our reality. You can't just go walking by somebody's house and oh, come in. You know, because 
there may not be anybody at the house. Right? You know, I, was, I walked past your house and I was expecting to be invited in. I, we weren't there. You know, just life is... And this is, our, this is our culture. So we plan these things out. There, though, you walk by and they invite you in. And they invite you in. You stay for tea. You stay for a meal. It's big time hospitality. And it's a pretty biblical thing that, that is getting tapped into. They understand this. And that's what's being pointed to uh, here in this passage. We've been looking at God as shepherd. And now today we're looking at God as host. God as host. Think about God as the host who invites us in. And in the biblical kind of idea, like with Israel and everything, being invited in is a big deal. And you, if the stranger comes by, you want to invite them in because there's danger out there. And then what happens is somebody's in, think of Abraham and the three uh, visitors outside his house. He goes to him, bows down and says, please come into my come into my house, you know, come into my tent. Let me prepare a meal for you. And in the process of, of, of sharing a meal, then a relationship is formed and then you have a new place of peace when you travel through that land. Covenant oftentimes gets started because somebody invites somebody in for a meal. And uh, you see that throughout the Bible, um, throughout the Old Testament. Then Jesus comes along and he talks about inviting people into a meal. He wants people in at his meal. And then the whole Bible culminates and climaxes with a big Meal, big feast. We're going to be at the wedding feast of the Lamb, the Supper of the Lamb. So it's a big deal. And here's what I'm trying to say today. Main thing is to really make it for the long haul, to be refilled in an ongoing way for the journey. We need the ongoing provision, relationship and filling that only the Lord can give. Now, that sounds true, doesn't it? Sounds sounds good. Can't make it without Jesus. Can't make it without the fullness of His Spirit in our lives. But I want to say, just even at the beginning, and I'm going to say it in just a few minutes at the end, I'm going to say it later, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to be filled. It's an invitation to come. And, and you don't have to. You don't have to. And the, the, the awkward thing, the hard thing is, we make so many choices during the course of a week where we are kind of saying no by living in the land of a thousand choices and choosing other things besides the Lord. I, I feel that. And, and, and over time, when I keep making those choices that aren't Jesus in the fullness that He wants to bring in my life, I start to get depleted. If I will keep choosing Him, it's like walking with Him, it, there's a yoke that even though I go through trials, it's going to be okay. And He's going to fill me up along the way. But if I keep making choices that aren't Him, I get wiped out. And what happens, even though the invitation is there, I don't have to take it, but over time, I, I start to need it more and more and more so that there comes different points in our lives where it's like, oh God... I'm wiped out here and I need a revival. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need something that only God can give. You know, and I just want to plant that seed here as we jump into this. Because it may be that you, like me, need to be refilled. We need to, like we talked about this weekend, sign up. We need to sign me up 
for what God's doing. So just let's plant that seed here at the beginning. A couple keys here. The first one is that God invites us to hospitality. He invites us to hospitality. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So this hospitality invitation, it looks a lot of different ways in our lives. We experience it in different ways. And it's like God expressing his hospitality through different people. In 1996, I was on my first international trip to uh, and went to Uganda for 19 days. I got the Ugandan flu, thought I was going to die. Like I thought I had malaria. First, I thought I had malaria. I had all 10 symptoms. I don't know why they give you 10 symptoms. You have those, but you don't actually have malaria. I had 10 symptoms of malaria crawling back and forth to the bed, to the bathroom. The guy that I was with had had about uh, he just he missed out on the mercy stuff when God was pouring that out. He just had a little drop or two that and he would just stick his head in. Hey, brother, hope you get feeling better. You know, and I'm like moaning. I want my wife. I think I'm dying. I'm 10,000 miles from the house. Spots on my tongue, shivering uncontrollably under the covers. You're getting the picture. Just trying to. And so it was a rugged trip for me. I wanted to be home. We get on the plane. We flew from Entebbe over to Kenya and, and out of Nairobi back to London, Gatwick or Heath, Heathrow, one or the other. And I'm sitting, I'm literally in the Brian Regan seat in the back of the plane, the middle seat of five seats. It's the last. It's, I've only done that once. This was the last time I did that. I just like, I don't do that ever again. I don't, I, somebody has to do it, but man. So the guy in front of me is laying in my lap. I could pet his head if I wanted to. <laughs> and behind me is a baby that never, it's supernatural. This baby cries for the entire trip from Nairobi to London. Just top of its lungs, it's got Ugandan flu. I don't know, you know. And just, wah, 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 wah. You know, I, I am dying. I'm just, I'm so weary. It's just death, you know. And we get to the the the, the, the airport, and we've got a long layover. I, I forget how long. It was a pretty long layover at, at London. And we go to the BA. We don't. I don't have status or anything. And I just go in and say, I'm, I'm just wiped out. Is there any way I could just take a shot? We talk to this guy. We get to talking to him a little bit. He's a seminary. So he is an angel. That's all I'm setting up here is the hospitality of the, of the British Airways guy at the desk. He looks at me and he has mercy and compassion on me. And he says, let me get you set up. And he gets me to a shower. And it was the best to this day. One of I mean, how do you say the best? It was the best shower I've ever had in my life. You know, and just it refreshed me. There was a refreshing that I, I sensed the hospitality and refreshment of God in Peter. That was the guy's name welcoming me. I tried looking him up and never could find him. You know, all the whatever seminary he said he was at, tried to find him to say thank you um, this week. What else does it look like? It looks like um, the, the, Friday night. I stayed with one of the elders down at Antioch in Waco. His name's Pat, Pat and Tanya Murphy. You know, and just experience their hospitality and welcoming me into their home. And you know what happens when you when you experience hospitality? Don't you feel closer? Don't you feel more like friends? And, and when you break bread together and talk about stuff and it just brings you into each other's world. Um, 
Matthew was telling us in Mongolia. He did that mission trip to Mongolia. And you would walk past people's homes or past the gear or whatever, and they would invite you in for, uh, for mare's milk and mare's cheese. Which those are... Uh, he, he said it wasn't real good. But, but, uh, but they would invite you in and they would give you that. They'd give you a hunk of that stuff and you just chew on it. You're supposed to chew on it while you're talking to them the whole time. You know, just... But it's hospitality. It's them bringing you into their world, stopping what they're doing and letting you in. And so it's a table and we're invited. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And perhaps, you know, I think in a lot of our lives, the way we could relate to this is we have fears, we have anxieties, we have pressures that we're facing and to be invited in in the middle of hard stuff that's going on in our lives and in the presence of, of maybe not physical danger, but in the presence of the stuff that's just oppressing us, we find peace and life as we share a meal together. You know, And I can't tell you how many times that has refreshed my soul when I've been at the end of my rope and called some friends and said, hey, can we come over? I, I just kind of reverse hospitality. <laughs> can we come over? You know, we need to connect. So it could be strangers, it could be friends, but what happens is relationship develops and the idea is that from then forward, there's going to be a bond. So when we come into the Lord's table, there's a bond with the Lord. When we come in to the Lord's table through other brothers and sisters, there's a bond with the Lord and with one another that's created. And God does this with us. It's like we're wandering around out in the dark. And God invites us into His table through Jesus Christ and we can see. Light starts to shine into our lives and we, can, we get a new perspective on how things really are, what our fears are and the love that He wants to give us and all of that. And God uses us to do the same thing for other people. So it's not just being invited in all the time. It's I'm not only invited, I'm called to invite others. Does that make sense? So we are being shared, something's being shared with us so that we will turn around and share it with others. God invites us to this kind of hospitality, sharing meals, encouragement. Uh, you know, uh, just on the food thing, uh, for years, I, I went through a bunch of ministry. And I, a lot of you guys around me know, know these stories, but I'll just I'll share it one more time as we've got new folks. But just... I went for years with meals being utilitarian and, and it, there's still I've got a weakness. We talk around the office about the three C's, you know, when somebody asks me, where do you want to what do you want to do? It just needs to be cheap, close and quick. The three C's and uh, and somebody always says, but QU is not a C. <laughs> it's all right. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> but somewhere along the line, the utilitarian deal about food became more than that. I, I think it was Jim, one of our pastor in uh, one of the churches we planted in Denton, really challenged me about about, hey, man, when we eat together, something's happening that's more than getting our stomachs filled. You know, we are experiencing the Lord together. And so if you've ever eaten with me in the last 10, 12 years and I've prayed, one of the things you probably heard me pray was, Lord, as we break this bread together, we want to see you. 
We want to share you. There's just something that when you are sharing a meal and you say, hey, what's fresh with you and Jesus? Just it just changes the whole, you know, it's just not the same as, you know, whatever, you know, your sports team or the Cowboys or whatever. And uh, all those things are a part of life and real living. I'm not knocking those things. We're humans. We live in the real world. But there's something wonderful that happens when we start sharing the life that we share together in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. So God invites us to hospitality. And second thing, he invites us to fullness. He invites us to fullness. So the idea here is you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. So practically what that means is somebody comes into the house in the ancient Near East. Somebody comes into the house. They've been out in the sun all day. You give them some oil. They put it on their sunbaked skin, on their head and on their face. And, you know, and that uh, encourages them. It, it, it soothes their sunbaked skin spiritually, you know, to talk about anointing is to be set apart. It's to experience the presence of God, the the uh, being set apart for God's purpose. Like so Samuel comes and anoints David to be king of Israel. He's being set apart to be king of Israel. That makes sense. So it's 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 symbolic of the presence of God, the power of God. So let's look at a couple of verses and see how important this is. Psalm 45, verse seven. Psalm 45, verse seven says, you love righteousness, God, and you hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So that's a psalm that that David's writing or the sons of Korah. And and they're writing this psalm. And uh, it's about the king who's coming. Well, then the writer of Hebrews and Hebrews one picks that up and says, this is Jesus. This is Jesus who he's writing about here. God, your God. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And so uh, this this anointing then is is uh, uh, describes being filled with the joy of the living God. Jesus is marked by joy and being marked with this anointing of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 61, real famous passage. And in Isaiah 61, basically the entire ministry of Jesus is described. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he goes on through to bind up the brokenhearted, freedom for the captives, release from darkness for those that are in prison to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He goes on down. He goes uh, Ash, uh, uh, beauty instead of ashes, gladness instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. All of those things are marks of what it means to be in Christ and to be filled with his spirit, the spirit of the living God, the anointing that comes from heaven. Now we could go on, but when you get to the New Testament, what you see is that is the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. John says it like this in first John, you have an anointing. From the Holy One. You're not less than somebody else. The, everybody who's in Christ has this anointing. And we can walk deeper and deeper into it and experience that joy and love and peace in life. Or we can keep, again, it's an invitation. And there's choices that we make that, that it's, it's God's still there. 
but he's giving us the freedom to choose him or not. And, you know, the good news about that is, is that it gives us the dignity of of responding to him and we get to express love to him. So John says you have an anointing. Paul takes it, you know, in a little bit different way. And he says, you've been given fullness in Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit. And you've been marked with the Holy Spirit. You've been. uh, And and so what you want to do is live your life in a way that sows to please the spirit. And as you do that, you experience more and more and more. And the way he makes the command for us is he says, be filled with the spirit and keep on being filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit and keep on being filled with the spirit. So, you know, I read this in in Psalm 23, and it's impossible for me to not read this in light of Jesus Christ, you know, and the Holy Spirit. And when I when it says you have an anoint, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. God literally wants us living life in an overflowed, overflowing kind of way with the Holy Spirit. Do things that that keep us moving in that direction with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So how do we do this moving forward? What does it look like? Practically, God's inviting us in to the table, to hospitality and to fullness. And sometimes we know our need. We're in a valley. We're going through a hard time. We know our need. We're seeking. We're knocking. We're asking. And nobody's nobody needs to tell us I've got a great need in my life. And then there's other times in our lives we need some help. Because we get self-sufficient. We start making other choices. We look away from the Lord. We need encouragement. I, I need encouragement. We need a we need a message like this that says, hey, we need the Holy Spirit. We need God's anointing in our lives, flowing in our lives, choosing the right choices. You know, one of the big things I just alluded to earlier that happened this weekend at World Mandate was this idea of sign me up. And there was a great video piece that they showed. And it was uh, and it and it 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 showed like uh, people that had been around for 20, 25 years back in the early days of the movement. And and they talked about the sacrifices that they made, the way that God came in a meeting and they just said, yes, God, we're in. And they confessed sin and they got right with God and they said, Lord, we don't want anything hindering you. We don't want to put the brake on what you're doing. I love Lexia Meeks's phrase. She said she said, I got to a place where I said, I'm going to stop tapping the brake when it comes to God. I'm going to stop just being so cautious when it comes to the things of God. I want all that God has for me. You know, and and there was a concern expressed, not like a negative way, it just that the next generation doesn't know the sacrifices that it took for this generation to pave the way and do the things that we've done. You know, I remember, you know, translating that here even to uh, Fort Worth. You know, when we started the church, in 1993, um, I didn't know a church planter. I'd never heard of a church planter. Just think about that. So we live in this context where we're making disciples, we're reproducing life groups, we're planting churches. That's, that's our context. We've been doing that for over two decades. But back then, we didn't, 
We didn't know anybody like that. And we met some radical kind of guys that kept speaking into our lives about going for it and following God. And they kept just coming. And I remember, you know, I remember one time John Brown brought this little book to me and uh, he goes and he would do this kind of stuff. He goes, I, I think you're ready for this one. You know, and I, I go, you know, it's called true discipleship, you know, and and I, just for as an example, you know, the the those radical statements of Jesus just trying to. What are we going to do about this? Me and Kim, you know, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. What are we going to do with this? And working through that and saying, God, have your way in us, have your way in us. And so there's a there is an ongoing need in our lives to sign up again. You know, there's an on, you know, you may have said, well, I signed up when I was 12 or 20. You know, you still need to sign up again. You know, I. Uh, uh, Sean Richmond was on that video also. He goes, man, signing up again. He said, I suppose I probably signed up. He's the pastor of Boston. They planted a bunch of churches there and stuff. And he said, I probably signed up a thousand times, I guess. You know, and don't feel bad about signing up. In fact, this what we're talking about, being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it, the, way, the way that that happens is less of us and more of God. And some people have theologies that say, you know, well, I, I got filled, I can't get filled again. Man, ugh, that's not helpful. That's not, I mean, you want all of Jesus that you can get. Ask, keep asking. You know, there's no reason. In, in the book of Acts, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and then they got filled again. So you got the Acts 2 guys outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, they're praying, Lord, stretch out your hand. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went out and spoke the word of God boldly. You know, and then you got Stephen. He's standing there, you know, uh, and filled with the Holy Spirit at the time of the of his martyrdom. It makes note that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. You know, and you got that kind of thing happening through there. So just, you know, may you be filled a hundred times and. 274 times and 691 times and and daily, you know, and just don't let anything hinder you from being all in. I, I uh, one of my favorite stories, I, I heard this, it's probably been five or six years ago. We were walking. And I was listening to a message by a guy that had been a co-worker with Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee is one of my heroes from the past, arguably one of the most fruitful Christians of the 20th century. Planted about 500 churches in in China, and then the the communist regime came in. Lots of persecution. Everybody goes underground, and those churches in the little flock become this house church movement. There's another stream too, but I mean this is one of the main streams of underground church that under that oppression exploded to a hundred plus million believers. Meeting all over the place. I mean, it's like glory to God. So Stephen Kong, this this guy who's one of these co-workers, um, he's talking to a group of college students and he's about 90 at the time. So if he's still alive, he's probably 95 or six. And I haven't heard of him going to be with the Lord. So I need to research that. But uh, he's old. And he said, young people, I can tell you that at the beginning of your journey, the most important thing in the Christian life is consecration. Bowing your knee and saying, Lord, have your way in me. 
And I can tell you in the middle, it's consecration. And I can tell you as an old man at the end of my life, the most important thing is consecration. This is it. And, and in that process of coming in to dine with the Lord and in that process of, of saying, Lord, I'm yours, we receive this ongoing filling, anointing his life that's within us. We can't be separated from it. He's done it. He's done this deal. It's good news. You know, on that day that I pour out my spirit, he says in John 14, you're going to realize that I'm in my father and you are in me and I am in you. I've done this. And that's good news. And it's this anointing that is on the inside of us and that comes upon us. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. We need to uh, keep on being filled, as Paul says, be filled and keep on being filled. And my prayer today, this morning, as we start to wrap this up, is that our hearts would be filled with longing, with hunger. And, you know, it's grace from God when you sense that. When there is a longing for more in your heart, you didn't come up with that. It's God wooing you to himself. It's him drawing him, you to himself. And so when we start to experience that hunger, God, I want more. And the great thing is Jesus tells a, you know, when uh, tells a little story, he says, you know, the father wants to give you good things. And if you ask for good things, he's not going to give you bad things. If you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone, that kind of thing. And if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit, you know. And so it's part of it's just he's in us, but we want the fullness of that life to be experienced, expressed to literally overflow. And it's when we're walking in the overflowing is when we have the most joy, the most life, the, you know, uh, and and that doesn't mean, I'm not talking about circumstantial stuff. Don't don't misunderstand. It's not just when everything's going the way you want it to go. That's that's not necessary. It's he can still fill you and often does when you're most desperate. So let's stand up and let's just let's press into the Lord a little bit. Worship team, come up and let's just we've got some time. I wanted us to have a little time to just pray and seek the Lord and to press into God. He invites us to his hospitality. He invites us to his fullness. There's a table. There's hospitality that the Lord wants to bring us into. And the good news about Jesus always has an invitation to it. You know, it has a wooing effect that pulls us and draws us and makes us want. I want more of all that he has for us. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you just begin, Lord, even as the message has been going, Lord, to stir hearts with just that longing for anointing, longing for fullness, longing for the overflowing cup. And Lord, where there's weariness, where there's rest that's needed, Lord, I pray that you would meet the need of our hearts. Lord, where you're inviting us in, Lord, I pray that we would open our eyes to see it. Lord, that you're inviting us into refreshment, provision, food for our souls. Uh, Lord, if there's just, you know, there's an invitation here for those that may not even be walking with Jesus. There's an invitation to start that journey today. 
And it just starts with a simple prayer saying, Lord, I am I know I'm hungry. I know I'm needy. And I am in my own resources, I'm at the end of my rope. And I turn to you, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you are inviting me in. I thank you, Lord, that you are making a way for me. I thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross. I thank you, Lord, that you rose again and that you've included me in your life. And you know, there's a lot of us that need to say yes again. We need to, there's that longing in our hearts, and it just starts with hunger. So um, let's just go, go ahead, and if that yes is in your heart, just come and get prayer. And, um, and if the front fills up, then get somebody to pray with you. Don't, if you're hungry for more, and you want to be filled up, then don't leave without somebody laying a hand on you. Just saying, hey, pray that I'd be full. Pray that for the fullness of the Holy Spirit's work in my life today. Come and get prayer.